Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories. A podcast that helps us discover interests that sometimes we might not feel comfortable talking about with others, but leads us to inspiration and exploration. Our guest today, you just heard them with a very sexy voice, is another birthday guest. This makes me very, very happy. I love celebrating birthdays with sex stories. And welcome. You are officially in your 30s. As of today, this is a bisexual person and penis owner who is in a relationship of three years. They are into group sex, come play, and light femdom in a switchy way. A writer, recording artist, and IT specialist born and raised in Pennsylvania. Welcome, Izzy. Thank you so much, Wyo. It's so good to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you here. Can you start off by telling our listeners about your shame-a-meter? If you had to rate yourself today with 10 being the most full of shame and 1 being the least, where do you fall right now? Oh, goodness, I'd say a solid 2. I used to be much higher on that scale. And since kind of exploring and discovering myself and working constantly to feel more comfortable in my own skin, I've come down to realize that I don't feel a lot of shame and it's a lovely thing. Beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit of what your sex life is like right now and perhaps a favorite part or two? Currently monogamous with my partner of three years and we have a lot of fun. We spend time exploring each other quite often and we are still discovering different things about each other, which I still find very interesting. So very happy about that. My favorite thing about it right now is we get to switch roles quite often. So I am very bad at initiating, but once I am in the moment, kind of flips the switch for me. So, Because I am, for myself, checking in every time I hear my brain say the word good or bad for everything, what if we offer a reframe? Would it be accurate to say something like, I'm noticing that I have responsive desire and I need an initiator to help me initiate? Yes, that's a good <laughs> one. I like that. <laughs> Not to like put words in your mouth, but that's what I'm practicing doing for myself just like in life. Okay, can you tell us what does sexy mean to you? Sexy to me is, it's not always about dress and it's not always about how a person looks, it's attitude. It's that eye contact and the confidence in oneself. And it's something that I had to discover for myself. So I'm really kind of learning still what it means for me to be sexy. But I know when I see it in other people, and goodness, it's fantastic. How are you learning that for yourself? It was at first a lot of therapy. Because I went through sexual abuse at a young age from a close family member, a young age being eight years old. Since then, I've done so much healing that now I feel so free and able to, you know, experiment healthily with different things and explore interests that I never would have thought I would have had before. Wow, that's amazing. Can you tell us what happens or what has happened historically to your shame-a-meter when it's time to talk to a partner about safer sex? And what does the ideal version of that conversation look like for you? So I was very honest with my partner when we began dating because I didn't want to have any skeletons in the closet. So I came forward about my trauma and the shame-a-meter was so high then because I guess it was still raw for me. And talking about it with somebody new and bringing them into that I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. Luckily, she was more than willing to listen and very receptive and very caring. But at the time, I mean, our first year together was tough because I was so nervous to fully show that side of me. 
And through talking with each other and communicating, we began to realize we have a lot of the same sexy interests. And it became a much stronger connection in that time since. And we are still, like I said, having fun together, which is just amazing. To answer the second part of your question with safe sex, we became very sexually active very quickly in our relationship, but we did use condoms and we wanted to be completely honest with each other. And while we both didn't have a history of any kind of, you know, sexual diseases or anything like that, we were very open about it with each other. Amazing. Are you fluid bonded now? Oh, absolutely. It's something that took a lot of talking. I also got a vasectomy in that time. So it's something that we've become more comfortable with and are now, since we are monogamous, able to explore that a little bit more. Cool. Also, listen to my explanation first. I think vasectomies are so hot because you could do come play without worry. And don't get me wrong, breeding is also hot, but like, I don't want to have a ton of babies because then I couldn't do this work. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Like I've said, you know, I don't want kids only because there's so many kids out there that could use an adoptive family that really cares. And in a way, I think I could be much better as that kind of father than I could if I had a biological son or daughter. And my partner was completely on board with that. And I said, if we were ever financially stable, we could really help out somebody, really give them the love that they deserve rather than, you know, putting her body through that. It's her choice. And she said, it's one thing I just don't want to ever go through, which is understandable. But we get to have those fantasies now without very much worry at all, you know? And she still keeps track just in case, you know, just in case anything happens. But it's very good for us both. No, that's true. And uh, one piece of anecdata from my personal life, I did have a close friend who had a vasectomy and ended up with a baby anyway. Mm -hmm. It does happen. It's something, too, that shocked me. But many of my fellow penis-owning friends that have not looked into vasectomies think it changes everything. And I said, it changes nothing, really. I mean, you have to go through the surgery. It's a very short recovery time. But after that, I mean, it, everything goes right back to normal. I don't feel any different. Amazing. Ugh, that's so cool. So now take us back to your very early years. What is your first memory of sex? It was the actual trauma itself. It was the very first time I had ever experienced or even kind of came around that part of life. So a very, I wouldn't say comfortable experience. That was at eight years old. At 13, I kind of learned what had happened. I started to understand, you know, oh my God, like that happened to me. Like, because we had sex ed in school, thankfully, and it started to really like open some doors for me in the sense that like I thought that something was wrong with me because mm. this happened somewhat regularly throughout my childhood until I was about 14. Oh, wow. It was not something that was healthy and it certainly was not caring in any sort of fashion. So when I had sex ed in school in health class, I went, oh, my God, everything they're talking about, like, I am, oh, no. Like, and it was an immediate gut turn reaction. I immediately felt just awful. And dirty is the best word I could describe for it. You could shower three times a day and you still couldn't get it off. It was that feeling. So that happened. And then around the same time, I started to get, like, the talk from my dad. My parents were very great. They allowed me to learn things in my own way. Mm. I think that was something they were hoping I would kind of be careful of, but they wanted me to obviously be educated. I remember my dad coming in and he sat down on my bed. He said, do you know about how people, where they come from? <laughs> and he was so uncomfortable. It was the most uncomfortable I'd seen him because he didn't really do deep talks like that. And he was very young. He was probably 28 at the time. And so I, I said, yeah, I think I know. And we kind of talked a little bit and he said, well, you know, you'd always talk to me if anything ever happens. Mm -hmm. And at that time I went, do I talk to him about what happened? Because the close family member was not 
either of my parents. And I love them very much, and I still do, even though they've separated. But I didn't. I didn't say a word. And that built in high school until I was 16. It affected my grades. It affected my life. And I broke one day, and I went to the school counselor, and I told them what happened. And they called my mom and told her. And I went home, and she said, you know, we'll get you help. Everything's going to be okay. I didn't know it at the time, but she shielded that family member because she loved them very much. Oh, wow. And so I never got help. And she said, don't tell your dad. He would be very upset. And I've already talked to him about it, so you don't have to. And that was not the case. He had no idea until I was 18. I had to tell him myself. So it was a rough ride in childhood. Wow. So you were told by your mother that you were going to get help and you didn't receive that help? No, no. And I've only went to therapy when I was 27, 28 years old. Wow. So another decade went by before you had the support of another adult human in your life. What was the effect over all of those years on your sexual psyche, your little self? It was tough because, like I said, I was trying to come to grips with what had happened. And for so long, I felt like it was my fault, which I think is a very common thought. Yeah. And it colored every bit of me. It made me feel repulsive and like I didn't want to go out with friends or do anything because they were getting in relationships and they were finding themselves and being more comfortable. And meanwhile, I'm reclusive and I'm backing up away from that. And the only regret I have from that is not getting the help sooner so I could discover myself sooner and feel more comfortable to do those things with them. And it was a tough time. It was very tough. And, you know, alcohol was a big thing for me for a while because that was something that I could fall into and didn't really have to worry about anything. I drowned myself in work. I just did my job and did ridiculous hours so I didn't have to think and it was so unhealthy just mentally physically and especially emotionally I really closed off yeah I hear that story and I can't help but wonder how it affected your ability to experience pleasure in your own personal body not even necessarily in a sexual way but I'm really curious about how all of that affected your exploration of personal pleasure and pleasure with others it became me really kind of exploring myself and seeing, you know, what could I do? Because masturbation was something that I never really did until I was in my late teens. And even then it was body. You know, I would be alone in my bed and I would say, you know, I have this feeling I have to navigate this somehow. And so then I would start to try and do that and be more comfortable with that. In my 20s, I had relationships with people that were sexual and they were something that we did together. But. I never felt that connection that people get. And I thought, there's something wrong with me. It's not this person. It's not them. And they're not doing anything wrong. I am disconnected from this. And I shouldn't be. I should be enjoying this. So it was so difficult because I felt lost. So I would have the best sexual experiences alone, where I was using like lubricants and even exploring with ass play in a way. Because like, I wanted to see if, like, is this bad right like is this something that is bad or that i think is bad and it became this experimentation that i became much more comfortable with as life went on okay when did you start playing with your butt i'd say probably about 22 okay that was difficult at first because it was so sensitive to me at that time you know the first experiences and, and getting used to it was difficult because did it feel good absolutely but psychologically i was thinking like i don't know Ah, so it was both emotionally and physically sensitive. Yes. So, I mean, like, I would have the best orgasms of my life and then end up crying afterward and not knowing why. It was so 
confusing for the time. Yeah. So in this time period where the theme sounds like it was resoundingly, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? How did you start to open up with partners? Like, how did that even happen? That's kind of incredible. I was in a relationship for eight years, and I think it was only because I was comfortable. I was happy because this person knew me and knew what I went through. Our sex life was not good. We didn't connect very well at all sexually. But we were very good friends, best friends, I'd say. Mm. So it made it easy to be in that relationship where I didn't feel anything was expected of me. And they seemed to get what they wanted. When I started going to therapy is actually when I ended that relationship. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't because it was toxic. It wasn't because it was unhealthy. It just was not right. And, you know, I wasn't getting what I realized I had needed by exploring those options and taking antidepressants for the first time. And it's like waking up and feeling a whole different set of feelings. Wow. Okay. So that was your first consensual partner? You started dating, what, around 20? Yeah, around there. Okay. How was it? Like even just being physical with another human being for the first time, what do you remember about it? I remember we both experienced our first times together and it was nervousness and it was something that we had tried to talk about long beforehand. And when it finally came to it, we got comfortable. I would suppose a lot of people would say, you know, the, the typical, the vanilla first time. It was a missionary pose and we did the thing and we were safe about it. And after it was done, it was like, great, we did it. But it took a lot of talking first. I was so nervous. I was so scared. Thinking like, because they had never seen me naked before. Oh, really? Okay. It's funny. My current partner will come into the bathroom when I'm in the shower and I'm like, <gasps> it's a weird thing. Yeah. And I'm still trying to get over that. I'll now like, I'll get a shower and I'll walk out around the apartment naked because we live in a very secluded apartment. So I'll walk around the apartment naked and she'll just be like, oh, I like the view. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So was the vibe in your household growing up conservative and kind of like, don't look at me body wise? Or do you feel like that came from somewhere else? Our household was interesting. We weren't conservative, but we weren't exactly like liberal either. It was a very strange, but good childhood. I was able to discover a lot of things on my own. For example, I remember being very young and the stove was hot and I was reaching up to touch it. And my mom went to go stop me. And my dad said, wait, don't. I touched the stove and he said, are you okay? I said, yeah. He said, are you going to do that again? No. <laughs> but that symbolizes my entire like childhood growing up is like he would let me make my mistake safely. And then he would, you know, talk to me about it. So it was a good way to learn. And we didn't go to church. I went to church on my own when I was 14 and I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. But, you know, I asked my dad like, hey, why didn't we ever go to church when I was a kid? And he said, because you never asked. You never wanted to go. And that's okay. I also like love the implicit assumption there that it's like the kid's job to ask you know like because the answer hidden in there is like well we just don't go to church you know like and it kind of gives you a little bit of authority or autonomy almost i would love to hear about what shifted inside you when you started therapy it sounds like you grew a lot and learned way more about yourself i did i started therapy and i had a fantastic therapist who would let me find my own answers in my own questions which is a very interesting thing because i thought like oh i talked to friends therapy is not gonna be any different i was so wrong yeah same but she was great and we started talking about like i said that feeling of i am taking two showers a day my skin is so dry but i just want to feel clean and she said listen izzy it's okay i understand that feeling and i know that it's you know something that you've been comfortable with for your whole life but why don't you try just one shower today and then another tomorrow 
you know, and try on that schedule, you know, and let's try that. And I said, okay. And I started to do that and my skin started to heal. And my hands were so cracked from the dryness. They used to bleed and now they had healed and I was able to use my hands again. And she was like, how do you feel now? I said, well, it's so nice that I don't feel pain. And she said, good, that's a good start. You know, so I started to associate things with this and we started to talk about my sexuality. And I said, I think I'm bisexual because I don't judge people on their physical appearance, but how they act. You know, it doesn't matter what they have. I just felt it with both. And she said, well, what, how do you feel about that? And I said, I don't know. Is it because of what happened to me when I was young? And she said, I don't think so. I don't think so. But she said, if it was something physical, you would have pointed that out. You just pointed out emotional. And that's a big one for you. And I said, it is. It's huge to me. You know, at this time I was single and I was on different dating apps. So I reached out to a male that I had thought was attractive. And I had my first sexual experience with them. And it was very interesting. We met at a place that serves kind of like a premium coffee, not a Starbucks, but like a kind of homegrown. Oh, I love it. Fancy coffee shop. That's my date spot. And that was their idea, not mine. So I was like, okay. And we sat down and he took control of the conversation and started asking questions that nobody else had asked me before. Like, you know, what are you into? Like, you know, what brings you onto these dating apps? But like, he had this air of confidence that really kind of like resonated. So I was immediately just like, the body language changed. I crossed my legs up and I folded my arms on the table and I'm like, ooh, this is different. This is nice, you know? We went for two more dates and after that he invited me back to his place where for the first time I had the chance to give oral to a male, which was fantastic, by the way. It's one of my favorite things now. They say that food is a key to a man's soul. It is not, it is the penis because you can <laughs> lick and you can suck it. And you can do so much all on that alone. And you get different reactions every time. It's like driving a car. It's fantastic. So that became quickly my favorite thing. I love that. It was so fun. Then we quickly proceeded to safe anal sex with me being the receiving partner. Okay. That was the moment where I had to put on the stop sign. And I said, hold up. Before we do anything more, I have to be completely honest with you. And thank goodness, he was very understanding. And he slowed down and he said, well, it's okay. We could talk about this. Like he cut the mood in a moment, was willing to sit down with me, even though we were both naked and listened to me for about a half hour, tell him everything. That's exactly. And I said, if there's anything that goes wrong, can I please just stop? And he went, absolutely. This is in your control. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. So that was the best experience I think I could have had. I was very lucky. And we didn't end up dating or anything more after that. And it was a great experience. You know, I think we just realized we weren't compatible for each other, but we still cared. It was lovely. It really was. That's like a special sex angel that just came down to give you a wonderful first time in a new way. I was thinking like, man, is this karma? Is this coming back to me now? <laughs> was that your first partnered experience after some of the like healing and self-exploration? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what a turnaround. It was completely different than what my brain thought it was going to be, what I felt it was going to be. And now it's like a thought that would have made me uncomfortable is now something that I'm like, oh, yeah, I love it. It sounds like part of that story that is so juicy is the moment where he was like, no, you're in control. If you need to stop, we stop. And that was such a gift for me, like as a submissive, as a receiver, as a person also trying butt stuff and stuff. But I wonder because you have the experience or you had the experience also of like being in the role that is sort of 
has this, at least in like heteronormative society, has this unspoken, like you're the decider of all of that thing. But it's more of like this, like de facto burden rather than like, no, you're in control. We can stop it if we need to. Can you speak to sort of the like your experience, like you're experiencing the duality? Right, exactly. It's a lot of give and take, right? Especially when it comes to dominant or submissive, there always has to be the safety. There has to be that comfortability. And I don't think I could have moved forward there if he didn't say that. Mm. And I don't think he said it just to simply get into a sexual experience. I think he honestly, genuinely cared about how I felt. And that made it so much better for me to let go. Yeah, I was just so craving control over every bit of my life because it's something that I had not had. And then I realized in that moment when I was able to let go of that and trust, it was magic. It really was because that's when I realized I was in that moment. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't dreading anything and I didn't feel like I was gross or disgusting or anything. I felt sexy. I felt good. And it was enlightening. It was eye-opening, really. Yeah. Has that informed any of your switchiness? Oh, yes. So like I said, I am awful initiating. So like I, I really need a partner who is taking that step forward. You know, sometimes I can't always be the one to say like, oh, I'm in the mood. Like, I found that I'm generally in the mood a lot of the time. I just don't take that first step. I'm so horny all the time, but also I'm busy working. And if we don't have a plan, then what am I going to do? You know, and now I'm like, okay, I don't need to create a story in my head that sex is hard to get. I can just go look for it when I'm ready. Okay, okay. You know, but yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And that moment of being able to get into that headspace, like once I'm there, it's so easy for me to flip the switch and kind of take on that dominant side a little more, which is something I'm still exploring and getting comfortable with. Me and my current partner started experimenting with bondage and she tied me down. We had a kind of like a harness for the bed system where you have the cuffs on your wrists and your legs. She was really getting me going. You know, there was dirty talk, not in a degrading way. It was just very hot and she was saying like, you're mine, you know, good boy. And, and just like all these things that really started to get to me. And she's like, you can't even do anything right now. Isn't that so fun for you? And I just immediately, something switched. I pulled my arms so hard. I ripped the restraints. Whoa. I rolled her over and we went to town and we had a fantastic time. Oh, wow. After we were done, she said, uh, I spent $30 on that. <laughs> <laughs> what a great investment, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it was just the shock of it for her, hit both of us after we were done and everything had calmed down. And I went, I am so sorry. And she said, never apologize for that. Yeah. That was hot. It was just like, because I don't do any kind of like workouts. Like I keep my body slim because it's the figure I want. I could try to keep it androgynous, but it just bubbled up and. Boy, what a feeling. It was primal and it was fun and we both enjoyed it. And it was good because she knew too of that if she was uncomfortable, I immediately would have went, I'm sorry, I'm done. <laughs> but it was just, uh, what a difference because I never would have done that years ago. Yes, that's really, really incredible. So what, if any other kind of changes did you see in yourself before you met her? What was the next little step of your story as you're going through this healing process and sucking cocks from the internet? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun because I got onto the dating apps and I was doing each different one, trying to just meet people because I realized I'm very into casual, safe sex. I am 
okay with that. And it's something that I quite enjoy, you know, the thought of maybe meeting somebody who is this different kind of mysterious, I don't need to know everything about you, but I would love to get to be with you in a comfortable setting kind of thing. And if we become friends, we become friends. And if not, then, you know, it was a good time. That was, I can only equate it to standing on the edge of a like 30 foot diving board where you never jumped before. And now you're doing casual encounters. I know that each one isn't going to be as amazing as the one I had had. And I just thought, God, what am I going to do? I was lucky that I had a good friend of mine. We had been friends for years. And when I was going through the therapy and I was having a lot of my problems, I would go over to her house. And one night we just became very close and it was very natural. We both, you know, kind of became sexually active with each other, but it wasn't forced. And what an interesting turnaround for meeting strangers. Yeah. Because now I know this person. I've known them for years. The one thing I remember is like, I was kissing her neck and I was being very sensual and, and very in it because that's me. And to her credit, she's very sarcastic. And she said, don't make this weird. And I went, it's only weird if we make it weird. And we both laughed. Yeah. And then she was in it right after that. It was so fun. Was that scarier or less scary than strangers? Immensely scary. Because I felt this person already knew who I was. And that anonymity gave me a little bit of a shield, you know? I could maybe put on a, a different personality because I was an actor before. And that made me comfortable is I'm this person now. So I could kind of put that facade on if I'm meeting somebody new. I couldn't do that with this person. But that experience and the tender loving and the care that we shared was so therapeutic and just something that we both enjoyed and like we are still very close friends to this day we still talk to this day it's like nothing changed at all you know we we're still the best of friends that happened and it was casual and we were okay and it was very healthy for both of us that's so cool how did you get to where you are now now you have a partner you've had for three years what happened next so I was working at a place in the city where many people, you know, kind of come together and it was an environment that I wasn't used to because it was a very social office. I was used to having my own office. So we're all in like these rows together, these kind of cubicles, but we could see each other, you know, if we turn around and my current partner worked there as well. A sex at work story? What? Oh, yes. Oh, it's fun. So we met when I was still in a relationship and she was still in a relationship. I remember our first conversation was me kind of poking fun and she flipped me off, which to her credit is, is part of her personality, right? And it was just so fun because we look back on it now and we laugh. But she had just gotten out of her relationship. I was going through my therapy and trying to find myself. And I remember I was going to go to see a movie with my current partner at the time who had left. And I said, listen, you know, I'm going to go see this movie alone later. It kind of sucks. And she's like, yeah, that does suck, doesn't it? And I was like, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it, it's tough. And she's like, well, enjoy that. Walks away. Oh, my gosh. I'm completely blown away because I'm like, geez, man, I don't know what is going on. Days pass and it's Christmas time and the season is here. And I was talking to her again and I said, you know, I would love to go see Christmas lights. Would you like to go on a walk with me? And we can just go see Christmas lights. And she said, yes, absolutely. Looking back on it. She wanted me to make the first move mm. and she wanted me to invite her to that movie. And she was mad that I didn't. Okay. So you had a magical, literally a twinkly magical first date walk together. We did. We walked to the park and we talked quite a bit about personal life and things like that. 
I didn't know that she was out of the relationship, and this is when this came around. How could you have invited her then? You didn't know. Right. So this is where the things start connecting, because we start laughing about it. And we get to our cars, and I said, you know what? I had a really good time tonight. We should get a drink sometime. And she went, yeah, like right now. I went, excuse me? She's like, yes, get in your car, follow me. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> we went to a bar in town. We sat, and that was when I opened up about everything that had happened to me when I was young. And I said, I'm only doing this, and you can tell me, stop at any time, only doing this because I don't want skeletons in the closet. I don't want you to think that if I'm upset at something, it's going to be you. Like, if we're really going to date, I want to be open with you. You are so brave. You just ripped that Band-Aid off right away. And I cried at a bar. Wow. <laughs> Sober. They thought that she was breaking up with me, I think. Oh. I, completely opposite, because she was smiling. And we walked outside into the snow, and... She said, thank you so much for tonight. Grabbed me by my shirt and kissed me. Hot. And she was like, have a good night. Gets in her car, takes off. She sounds like a badass. Oh, yeah. 100%. And since then, I mean, I went to her place next week. And then two weeks after that, we were in a physical relationship while working with each other. Oh, my gosh. So super hot. And did your sexplorations just unfold from there? Because it sounds like yes. Absolutely. And, and like I said, our first year together was very like careful. We were kind of exploring and understanding, you know, what is this new relationship for us both? Because she came from a relationship where her feelings weren't valued and it was difficult for her to kind of open up and talk because she never had that opportunity before. I was in a relationship with somebody who knew everything about me and accepted it and was completely okay with it and understood that you know, I might be feeling off or a certain way. So we started kind of going back and forth. And then eventually we just had this breakthrough where I started showing her the kind of porn I like. She started showing me the kind of porn she likes. And then they started to kind of connect a little bit. The moment it happened, she looked at me and she went, son of a bitch, you held this for me the whole time. Amazing. <laughs> Will you please tell us the types of porns that you both like? Just to, since we're here, a little sidebar. So we both love group sex. It's not something that we've been able or comfortable yet to try, but we still talk about it very regularly. And it's something that we definitely want to do. And we're both feeling more comfortable. Fuck yeah. What kind of fantasies do you share? Like being in a sexy party or an orgy together and just like kind of being in that moment with a bunch of different people and just kind of feeling that energy. I think we really look forward to that. Mm hmm. It's tough because we've talked about jealousy and things like that because I am not a jealous person. I have no problem if she told me one night that she had met somebody at the bar and she was safe and they were going to go and have a good time. I'd be like, yeah, bring them home. Like, <laughs> Yeah. like, And I never would have done that before. Yeah. But for her, she has a lot of emotional attachment, which she doesn't want to lose if you know, somebody does come into the relationship. So we're still navigating that. And I think it's important to navigate that together. Yes. So that's something that we're still working on. And we have that in common. And then we also have the kind of dominant kind of switch side because she now gets to be relationship dominant in a way. She's much more the male role than I am. When you say male role, what do you call to mind? It's almost like the society norm of she goes to work now. I'm currently unemployed due to the pandemic. So like I cook, I clean, I do everything. And she comes home and she'll just like push me against the wall and kiss me when she gets home and then just walk by. That is so hot. I adore it. So it's 
so fun. And before this interview, she said, good luck on your interview. And uh, when you're done, you know where to find me. And then just like put an arm on my shoulder and walked away. I was like, okay, all right. So hot. And also, if I had a partner at home and I was like going off to work, I would definitely come home and kiss them right away. And I would definitely send them messages all day long. She does. Telling them to be like, edge yourself and get ready for me. Does she do that? We have a secret channel where we send like different images back and forth that are very spicy. And she'll be like, later on. What do you mean a secret channel? Where? Or I guess it's a secret, so don't tell us where, but... She has a Facebook that she uses professionally, but then we have like a Discord server where we send messages back and forth that's just us. You have a private sexy Discord server just for you? Oh, yes. Just for us. Okay, maybe I do need to like figure out how Discord works. It's so overwhelming to me. (laughs) It is. There's so much function of it, but God, when you use it right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like you're really doing it. Okay, so you primarily image exchange? Like, are you sending nudes to each other? She has done a sexy photo shoot for me last year for my birthday, Hot. which was so fun. Yeah, I still have those. And like, when she's gone at work, like, I sometimes just can't help myself. And you just pull one up and it's like, yeah. can't wait for four hours to go by. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. Primarily, it is like images, like pornographic images or something that she's really like into or looking for. And I'm kind of doing the same and we go back and forth. And it's a nice little bit of foreplay without the foreplay because she comes home ready to go. And I am also ready to go. It's just like turning that burner on so it's simmering all day long. Do you feel like what you're exchanging? Can you see the result in your sessions like thematically? Absolutely. Our sexual relationship has changed from me kind of taking the first step and the missionary position we've gone from that to she'll peg me (gasps) so we do that and what a fun time that is let me tell you because she is just all about making me feel good but like also she's getting off at the same time and we go back and forth with that amazing with the discord server or how what other elements like led you on that kind of unfolding we did have a road bump because, like I said, she had a hard time communicating. I was having a hard time expressing myself with the things that had happened. You know, I was starting to crave that kind of anal play that I had gotten into when I was alone. And this was before the pegging, before everything. You know, we were kind of doing just one track mind and nothing else. So we had a break in communication. Mm. And I was kind of online trying to get this out of me while remaining in the relationship so i was doing sexual role plays like typing online anonymous people just to kind of get that out of me so i didn't you know have to do that and hurt her i felt as though it would hurt her get it out of you what about feeding yourself feeding this need that you have it's a real need it's so true and it's something that i needed at the time we went to dinner and we sat down and it was a bar. It was the first time we had been there. And she said, do you want to talk to me about what you're doing online? Because she knew. And I'm very open. Mm-hmm. And I immediately said, you know, I'm sorry. And it's not you, which seems like a very common thing to say. Mm. But then I went on to explain, like, it's this need that I have. It's something I'm ashamed of. I want you to know that it's not you. I'm feeling upset. And I'm trying to find an outlet for this that I don't have. Which led to us sharing more porn. Cool. And then realizing that our interests were more aligned than we thought. And the relationship has been so strong ever since. Wow. I hear this story 
And I cannot help but wonder how many people out there are in relationships and do not share their deepest desires with each other. I would say it's very high. I would bet money that it's very high because I was so scared and it had nothing to do with like at this point, like I was healing. The trauma was there, but it wasn't the forefront of my brain anymore. I was almost just afraid to say how I really felt and tell her what I really wanted. And I think she did the same in a way. And now like the needs are met. We have no desire to look elsewhere. And like now we're like I said, we're discussing like the group sex thing. And like we want to get fit and look good so that when we go there, we don't feel that self. We want to feel the sexy when we do take that step. Now we're discussing this and like making plans together and moving forward with this stuff light years from where we were. Yes. And I love hearing stories like this because it means it's totally possible. All it takes is, you know, another evening together and that little step of like, hey, do you want to open up about that thing? Can you? And like when there's mutual safety, like that's so hot. I do wonder sometimes if that's why I've had a hard time finding consistent partnership because I do explode people a lot because I'm like, hi, here's all of me. I don't have a sense for timing. And then I'm like, why won't you tell me everything about yourself? I don't understand trust building and timing. People show up and tell me all their details. What do you mean I have to wait for it? Like there's a part of my brain that is trying to figure that out. And so it is really heartening to hear just real life examples that it's possible. So would you say that that was like a big turning point in the trust of your relationship? It was massive because there would be times where she felt as though I was talking to other people online and I would be open with her and I'd say, no, here's my phone. I was talking to my friend, like I would show her and it's like, yeah, this is what he's doing today. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I am blowing up about this and I shouldn't and I feel so bad. And she would cry and I'd be like, honey, it's okay. Yeah. I completely understand, you know, I don't want to break your trust or anything like that. I want you to know I'm here and it's normal to feel what you're feeling. I get it. Sometimes we have insecurities and we just need little like hugs for them, like trust building and not the response that I get oftentimes, which is like, you're so stupid that you would think that. And yet like, I'm like, okay. It's those defensive moments that really hurt, right? Because it's somebody who feels ashamed or upset about something and they don't know how to talk about it. And I was there and she really stepped up when she called me on it in a public place and said, like, do we have to talk about this? It wasn't comfortable. It didn't feel good at the time. But look at what it's led to, you know, and those uncomfortable moments, those things when you face them as a team and you don't stand off with each other, it could really help you both in a relationship emotionally and especially sexually, in my experience. <laughs> yeah. And just growing as a human being. Like, yes, also growing sexually so that we can explore as much as we want to explore, but just in life, too, I find that it's the same for me. I mean, I just see so many parallels between my experience as a human being in the world and my ability to connect and my own sex life. Absolutely. So, okay, tell me about the peg that you enjoy. How does it strap to her or is it an inside one? Do you have different ones? Like, And then tell me, like, if you have any advice for people that want to be giver of pegs but only have one experience, what would you tell them? <laughs> she uses a harness. And it has rings so that it's able to change out. So we have many different dildos that we use. Oh, many pigs. And we built the collection now. And, and one of her Christmas gifts to me this year was one. Cool. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because, of course, it's made of silicone. And it looks quite interesting. And we had it on our table. It, it was clean. We had just cleaned it. And we put it there. And I said... You know, honestly, it's a nice centerpiece. If somebody comes over, we could just say it's contemporary art. And she just <laughs> fell over laughing. But we changed them out. And it's dependent on like how I'm feeling, which she wants to use. Because it is different for her, too. She's noticed where 
we have one that's very long and cylindrical that's very smooth and then we have others that are like different textures and different feelings so it'll be different for her as well as me and i think the one piece of advice i could give anybody who's interested in this or any anal play is lube 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 like crazy but once you are comfortable and relaxed god it's so fun because like we'll start just to ease into things and i'll be on my back and she'll kind of ease in and it's very intimate and she's slow and then when things start to pick up is when we get interesting you know she'll turn me around and do that or my favorite is i'll ride on top it's one of my favorite things honestly that is so cool do you have asgasms i do we haven't had a prolonged session where i've been able to kind of only come from that yeah so i do need to yet and that's what i'm hoping for because i know it's a thing that can happen and i would love to have that experience so it's something we're working on and i hope it happens the orgasms that i do have while she is pegging me are the best i've ever had wow okay give us some details on your orgasms in general how do you usually like to touch yourself to come do you like to edge yourself what makes the anal orgasm so amazing? Can you differentiate? Give us all the details. So when I'm alone, I usually use just a little bit of lube because that keeps things, you know, kind of moving. And like I said, I'm a big fan of like kind of that sloppy sex kind of feel. So that kind of also adds in a little bit and builds on the fantasy. And that kind of brings me kind of to that climax because I picture like her being there and just that hot moment where you're like it's so easy for me to see it in my head that i'm able to actually achieve pretty quickly on my own but with her and with the pegging the difference is that there's a pressure on everything there and when it finally does happen it's such a hard build from ground zero to like mount everest and once you're at the top like I get loud, which is very strange because like I do try to vocalize more now. I, I didn't when I was younger, but now I try to vocalize much more and I don't even have to think about it. It's just happening. Same. So I know that there's something in my brain that's going on that I am not physically doing, but is happening. <laughs> and it's just a loss of control. Cool. It's just like pure permission. That's amazing. Do you feel that even when you're on top? I do. Like as a butt slut, oh, yes. like when I'm on top. Okay. It's one of my favorite things because then I can control kind of where it's hitting as well and also the speed and tempo. So I can do a slow build and I can kind of go faster if I want. And the whole time, like she's running her nails down my legs or she's like running them down my chest. Amazing. And it it's my favorite. That by is far. super hot. It makes perfect sense that you can control the angle. And I know what that's like as a receiver of poles, but it's so funny because it just doesn't occur to me that way. And I'm like, okay, now I need to pay attention. Next yeah, time. Okay, absolutely. Okay. It, it, like, it's such a strange but interesting feeling because like when I'm laying on my back, I notice it's harder for me to feel everything. Like it can go deeper, but that's not sometimes what I need. Sometimes I need it to just be at a certain angle, hitting a certain way, and it's just fireworks. Cool. What is the angle? Is it like it's hitting the prostate, so more toward your belly button? Yeah, I would say it would be more riding forward up toward her rather than leaning back. I, I enjoy that much more. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Okay, what else do you guys love getting into? Like what else are you playing with right now that's bringing you lots of turn on joy? So she has been getting much better at blowjobs in general, and it's been very fun. And she does have a hard time with kind of like the deep throating aspect of it, which is totally fine. It's understandable. And I suppose, luckily enough, gifted in the sense that, you know, there's a lot there. And I feel bad trying to make her take all of that, right? Gifted or cursed. 
It's all on how you look at it. <laughs> exactly. If I asked her, it would be gifted all day. But she's been fantastic because I think when we first started dating, she was really kind of focused on just like the sucking part and not the rest of the things you could do. And now she's like licking along the base and, you know, kind of feeling like my testicles and things like that while we're in this mood. And it is really changing and like now she's getting to the point where like she'll grab my thighs and like pull me up Fun. and like oh yeah it is just a lot of power moves and it really sets the tone so we have been enjoying that amazing what are the most sensitive parts of your penis and balls the underside of the penis is the number one for me all the way up and then the tip itself and those are my hot spots i've noticed it drives me crazy so when she teases me with that i just kind of lose it <laughs> that's amazing and can your balls handle some manipulation a little bit yeah as long as it's not hard it has to be very gentle kind of caressing massaging okay i have experimented with pain and pleasure and i don't like pain i found out good to know yeah i know my limits with that and i love dirty talk but i don't like degradation so now i know like those are two things that i've explored that i'm like I didn't enjoy that very much. <laughs> okay. That's good to know. That's really good to know. Ugh. Aside from pain and degradation, do you have any other turnoffs that you notice? Yes. The one thing that really gets me is if I'm with a partner who is checked out, you know, who doesn't seem to be into it. There's no reciprocation of these feelings. There's no noises. There's not even eye contact. Like that really gets me out of it. And I've had sessions with People, more of the casual sex encounters where I was just like, you know what? This is, isn't working out for me. Can we stop? Really? Amazing. How did they react? Good for you also. It was mixed. I had some people who were just like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we reconcile. But then there's also been people who are upset and they're like, well, I didn't finish. And it's like, okay, I understand. But like, this is no longer comfortable for me. Yeah. I would not like to continue. And they're bitter, but I've not had somebody kind of be abusive or anything like that, thankfully. That's incredible that you gave yourself that permission to follow through and do that. I do want to exalt it, and I wish it were more common, you know? Right. Like, I wish it weren't such a big deal. <laughs> it comes down to, just like anything else, communication. Yeah, and connection. Exactly. I think that if you're in a sexual encounter with somebody, you know when they're in it. And you can feel it. I don't know if I do, though, sometimes. Really? So here's what I know. I know when I'm feeling really connected to someone. I know sometimes when they feel far away. I don't know what the far away means. I don't know if the far away means that they're scared. I don't know if they want comfort from me. I don't know if it means that. They, but there's something there. And because of my personality, I don't necessarily assume that it's something bad toward me. And like, if they're still there, then I'm like, well, I wanna, maybe I can... Maybe they just need to come. Maybe they're just nervous. Maybe they're having gas and they're worried to fart on me. You know, like, I don't know. Right. And in a way, you know, kind of stopping that allows you to get that opportunity of like, hey, is everything all good? To check in. And I think that that's so important because it's very rare that it happens to me that I feel the need to like put the brakes on because I really do enjoy just about every experience. But I just want that connection. If I'm opening myself up this much to you, I just want the same in return. Totally. I understand if, like you said, somebody is scared or there's something, you know, anxiety or if they're, like you said, gas is definitely one. Like, completely understand we're all human here. And I am all about talking about it. If we could fix it and we could get back into this, all for it. Absolutely. If it's something that they also are like, hey, I'm not feeling this. I got it. We're good. We could stop here. 
talking to you about this helps me hear kind of the fear story in my own head that probably has to do with like, oh, I do want to get back out there in the world. And I am scared that I won't be able to read a signal or that I'll miss a signal. Especially in such a sensitive situation where people might not be, you know, on one hand, in their normal lives, able to communicate very well. Now you have to do it with somebody that you are having a sexual connection with. Mm -hmm. That's 10 times worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, especially if you haven't had that ability to talk about it. So I think when it comes up, like sometimes it might shock people of like, why are you asking me? Like, I've had that happen where there was one person who just said, like, I've never had that happen. They've always just continued. And it's like, I'm sorry. Wow. I really wish they would have talked to you because her only problem was that she was uncomfortable due to a health issue. Oh, so you noticed her discomfort and asked about it and checked in? Yeah. She could not do insertion, at least comfortably. Like, she could do it, but she did not like it. And I said, there are so many other things to do. Yeah. Right. And I was like, you don't have to feel like you have to do that. She's like, I think it's expected. And I'm like, no. No, the point is pleasure. Exactly. So that was something that I felt I helped somebody in a way that this is one person I didn't keep in contact with, but I hope that they're taking care of themselves. Yeah. And this is the reason why I was so excited when I got to talk to you, because if it helps one person, that's the world of difference. So always feel comfortable. All we got to do is make a bunch of little ripples and then eventually they'll get really, really wide. Exactly. What else are you enjoying or hoping to explore? So the one thing that I would love would be bringing another male into our bedroom. And it doesn't have to be somebody explicitly male, just somebody with male parts. Penis owner. Right. Because the one thing that I notice with the pegging and the strap-on is my partner doesn't know sometimes when it's slipping mm. and doesn't have that feel. So that is the one thing that we're missing from it. And it's not her fault, obviously, and it's not mine either. We still enjoy it. Where does it slip? Like if I'm laying on my back and she's just starting to really go. Oh, out. Out, right. And so then I'm like, oh. Yep, yep. <laughs> Hold up. Yep, <laughs> Yeah. totally. <laughs> Especially in mid-stroke. And so I would love to have a male who can kind of feel that and also experience it with us and kind of bring that in because it adds a whole new level of intimacy to it. We've talked about it in the sense that, like, I know that she isn't bisexual, but she has no problem around other females. She just doesn't particularly want to experience anything with another vagina, which totally makes sense. Her choice. But I am so open to everything that sometimes it just throws her off because she's like, you would. You would be open to that. It bleeds into our personal lives because she's like, what would you like for dinner? I'd be like, anything goes. And she's like, just like always. Great. Amazing. <laughs> Has she trained you to give her options sometimes? Because that is something that I had to actually learn. Like, I had to, like, learn from a couple of friends that were just like, I just need help making a decision sometimes. And I'm like, oh, right. I make decisions all day long. I can do it if it's supportive of you. I just don't spend my energy that way if I don't need to. Exactly. Like, I am much of the same mind where it's just like, yeah, however this goes, I'm just here for it. And so, like, we have gotten to that point where she's like, can you please just give me just a few different things and I'll give her a selection. And it helps us narrow down much easier. That helps find the little overlap in the venn diagram i say like oh wide open because i am and i want to like find whatever's in that overlap the last thing that i want to do is get into a situation where i ask for the one thing that they don't want and then they're like trying to please me and i'm like literally there's thousands of things i would have enjoyed so i try to find the mutual choosings exactly okay what else have we not heard about your sex life yet that we need to know about either stuff that you're enjoying stuff that you want to explore more things like that the one thing that i did when i was single and this is something that I would recommend for people who may feel uncomfortable in their own bodies. 
that do have a lot of hair, I would shave my whole body other than my head. Because I have body hair like crazy if I let it go. How long did that take? I used Nair and like I got very good with it. So it would take me 15 minutes. Whoa. I was very efficient. And the one thing that I loved about it was like when you have hair on a lot of parts of your body, you don't feel the breeze. Yes. You don't feel things as well. And like what a turn on when you can feel every little thing. And like my favorite thing to do is like I would go swimming just on my own in my free time. And just the water on your skin is a whole different feeling. Yep. I remember I was with my current partner and it was the second time that we had sex and we were cuddling after and I was rubbing her legs with mine and she went, you have smoother legs than I do. This is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Do you not like that? She's like, no, I just. (laughs) I'm like, I love it. Yeah, exactly. So I go between these moments of like, I'll have a beard and I have to get rid of it. Because, like, I love the androgynous look. That's my thing. I love being in the middle. Because that's how I feel most, I think. Beautiful. And shaving my legs and kind of getting that smooth feeling all over has done a lot for me psychologically before. So, highly recommend. Like, psychologically, like, it helps you feel clean? Is it related to that? Yes. Absolutely. Because I can take my hand and I could run it on my leg and I could just feel everything. And it's enlightening. It really is. When you haven't felt it your whole life and then you do it. Just once, I would recommend. That's what I love. I actually love going back and forth. I also mostly forget to shave my armpits. Like, I'll look down, I'll be like, oh, there's a lot of hair there. But I love to, like, you know, go a good six to 12 weeks without shaving. And then I get so smooth. And for me, I've realized that I have just basically, like, fine-tuned my dopamine system to enjoy the highs, the mids, and the lows, and then back again. And when it's that new feeling of my legs so soft in the bathtub, but then I go to the hot tub or I go outside and it's pokey cold and I'm like, you know, so I'm like appreciating every dumb little sensation. Of course, (laughs) my favorite thing, the soft pajamas on freshly shaven legs is just, Mm. that's when I feel the sexiest, the most confident is when I am feeling all of those things and I go walk outside in shorts and feel a breeze on my legs and I'm like, oh, wow, (laughs) what a different feeling. That is amazing. I would love to hear what you're into come play wise. I just love a mess. I think it's so sexy. I do. It's something that we're getting so much out of recently because we've been kind of doing like the breeding kink in a way and experimenting with that because now we can. And while we're being safe and keeping track of it, we haven't had any incidents. So now it's like, okay, this is the thing we do now. And Wow, what a difference. Because she loves when I climax inside. Mm, yeah, She really gets off on that. And she did not know that before. Mm. So that was something we discovered together. And now it's very rare that we do not do that. But when we do, we love to just make a mess and just get into it. It's so fun. So that is my favorite. <laughs> wow. Do you also enjoy giving butt pleasures with your pole? Is that something you've experimented with at all? So funny enough, I've never given anal yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. And it's something that we have discussed in the past. I just, when I am in the mood, my desire is so ramped up for receiving that pleasure or giving in a vaginal way that I don't even think of it. And it's something that I really would like to explore one day because like it's different and it's fun. It's a different way to experience that. And I know it feels different. I've heard that. So that's the one thing I'm looking forward to the most. Ugh. So good. I also love it, too, because I really do just love being like, oh, 
Oh, it's a luxurious sex day. Yes, the full course menu, please. Every single little thing, you know, like hitting all the little parts of it. What about going down on vaginas? That's something that I do enjoy doing and something my current partner does not enjoy receiving, which is okay. very interesting. It was funny, the, the second night that we had sex, I tried to do that and she went, no, thank you. And I it just immediately, and I was like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? She's like, I just don't like that, if I'm being honest. And I was like, all right. And so we went on from there. The feeling of the tongue is what really turns her off about it, which is a very interesting thing. Because like, we've used toys. I've used my hands, like everything. We're very open to that. But that's the one thing for her that she was like, that makes me uncomfortable. And thank goodness she was comfortable enough to tell me. Yeah, absolutely. What else is on your exploration list? I really would like to do the soft kind of kink at a party. I'm not a big fan of public. Like, I don't want to put somebody through something that they're not consenting to. It's very big for me, and that's just very important. But I would love to, like, go to, like, kind of a kink club with my significant other, and, like, I wouldn't mind wearing a collar and leash, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, just a whole different experience. And it doesn't have to culminate into anything, but just the feeling of having that and, like, walking around like that sounds very fun so cool if you were theoretically in a space that kind of looked like the real world you know but perhaps you knew that it was like i don't know a large say enclosed adults only full service creativity resort type of situation and the like main eating slash shopping slash living area had all kinds of different shops and the vibe was such that so you knew the consent rules. For example, if you want to have sex in the bookshop, you know, just make sure that it's not next to someone who's reading in that moment. Or please don't be mad if they ask you to move to grab a book. What environment would you like to have crafted just for you? Like what public location would be a hot turn on for you? I like that question. Thank you. I'm trying to build a full service creativity resort someday. We'll see if we can do it in six to nine years. With any luck, you'll have to let me know how you do with that. If I can help, I'll do the commercial for you right away. I was going to say, yes, there will be announcements. <laughs> this is the long-term plan. <laughs> Goodness. I would say that it would have to be kind of like that dimly lit lounge area. The low lights, kind of quiet, comfortable furniture. More jazz club, like retro yeah. classy. Very speakeasy. Okay, okay. Are you into velvet or are you more like a smooth pleather situation? It's either or. I don't like the feel of pleather very much on my skin. I don't mind it, but I don't like to wear it. But I would love that kind of smoky room, mm. slow music playing in the background. Just like that sexy, almost like speakeasy club vibes. I would love that. I love the idea of constructing a place that has like nooks and crannies that are either, you know, meant for someone who wants to read a book or a couple that wants to just like get on a quickie real quick. Or over there, there's a little uh, bench that you can lay down on, you know, like that's kind of like what I'm dreaming of. That kind of naturalism, I think, especially if you know exactly what it's about, is just so healthy because it allows you to explore in a healthy way. And there's so much that a person can learn by doing that. I think it's important that people do know themselves kind of interpersonally, emotionally, but also sexually, because it's such a part of our lives. Like, we can't help but think of it sometimes, and we might not be able to express it in a truly healthy way all the time, or we might not have the opportunity to. So to have places like that or, like, opportunities like that is just so important. I keep thinking about how I talk about sex, I think about sex, I research sex, I try to learn about it as much as possible from direct primary sources. And there's still so much that I'm realizing I cannot learn on my own or out of a book. There is an experiential aspect that I'm very interested in kind of creating. And, you know, I think in this time where 
so many of us are struggling in mental health ways because of the way that our world is set up and because of the ways that technology like actually just wasn't built for human brains, even though I mean, it was built to trap the human brains, a little bit of an addiction quality. I want to find ways to experience my own body in the 3D world and connect with people like you were talking about. Absolutely. Is there anything else we need to know about your sex life to have a complete picture for this little overview? Yes. Don't define yourself by one role. No matter what that is, whether it's a gender role or giving or receiving, don't let that define who you are because everybody is so variable and different. I didn't know anything about how I feel now four years ago, and I'm so different than I was then. And I have so much more to learn and do, and it's so fun to think about. For so long, I put myself in this kind of societal norm of I have to be with a female person and get married and have kids. I did that for so long. Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into that too. It's different for everybody. Some people are very happy to do that. And then you have other people like me who are kind of the wild cards and that's okay. You know, everybody's a little different. I think it's like what makes us amazing. It's how we make cool new flavor combinations. Everyone is a little bit different. I think there's a lot of wild cards out there who are trying to pretend to be a regular card. And I'm like, no, 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 be wild. Exactly. Let me look at the wild color. I want to see that version. It's funny because you can almost see it in those people too when they're able to experience that and they get to come out of their shell a little bit. And sometimes they feel embarrassed after the moment. And it's like, no, keep it up. Vulnerability hangovers are real. When you have that expansion, there's often a contraction. I have experienced that so many times. When do you feel the most wild? Oh my goodness. In the middle of either kind of like a social gathering, if I'm feeling very comfortable and like myself, I am extroverted like crazy as somebody who's used to be an introvert. It's so interesting. And then when we're in the throes of kind of like that sexual tension, the edging, that's when I feel like, oh, I am in my element here. I feel like me. And to know that and to feel that is strength. It really is. Mm. So if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I would definitely do it shortly after that first terrible experience. And I would kneel down and I would kind of level with myself and I would say, hey, it's not like this, really. This is not love and this is not what you're going to experience, which is going to be a whole world of pleasurable things and happiness and experiences you'll just be so happy about and comfortable with and don't give up it gets better it always gets better and just never ever stop going forward i don't know if anyone out there has seen ted lasso but in the second season there's a character who's very cute there's a point where he says i'm only getting better and I have like adopted that into my brain. And every time I fuck up or every time something happens or every time I'm amazing, I just go, oh, and I'm only getting better. And it's like such a beautiful. So to hear you reflect that back. Yeah. And to just one step at a time, rest if you need to rest, but just go forward. Always. And just reflect on the good things. You know, it's so easy to look at all the bad things and all the negative things that have happened. But there's so many good things in life. And if you put a little more focus on them, things do change in perspective. Suddenly the bad things are not so bad. You know, okay, I'm going to share one more little personal story here because my loop over the past several years is whenever my former master and I have broken up, there really is this storyline in my head. I almost think of my energy like a little arrow Instead of like going forward and out and being like the curious little like kind of like creature that I feel like I am, it's like it loops back in on myself. And so it's almost like I'm like 
stabbing myself, not in a good sexy way. Oh, I wish that would be cool. right. If I could energetically fuck myself, but in a getting stuck like that looping and the kind of like crinkled energy inward. And I finally realized that I was creating this loop of like break up, get back together, break up, get back together. And that I really didn't have a belief that I could have the same level of transcendent connection and bliss with another partner. And so now when I catch myself like in that familiar loop, I just remind myself that like all my fantasies are possible and they can be with a person where there is not the same level of strife and just that it's a possibility. And that helps me kind of like take a breath and stay present and at least get out of the old story, even though it continues to come back up. So that's something that I can speak to personally in that vein of thought. Staying in the present is such an accurate term. Because we always think, you know, what's going to happen to me? Or I could have done that differently. And it's so rare that we think, like, I'm here and I'm doing the thing. And that's why I said, like, when I'm at a party and I'm being social, I'm not thinking about tomorrow and I'm not thinking about yesterday. I'm right here. I'm having the time of my life. Connecting with people. Not getting stuck in the story, whether it's a great story or a terrible story. Just being present instead of being obsessed with the story, which stories are great. They're magic, but it's a balance. On that note, in this present moment, do you have a question for me that has to do with sex? I do, because it seems that you also have a bit more of a submissive personality, and I've noticed that after listening to the show. I wanted to know if you also experience this same feeling that I get, where I want to please as much as I can, and when I don't, I don't feel good enough. Mm. Have you ever experienced something like that? 